I'm Hattie. I'm 85, and I hope this ages well. Hey there. Welcome to I Hope This Age Is Well, a podcast centered around capturing the stories of our most senior community members. I'm a stand-up comedian, so to make each episode a little fun, I'm going to be sharing jokes with the guests, and the guests will be sharing jokes with me. I'm your host, Gilberto Soto. Should we get started? Yeah, let's go. The old-fashioned, I want to marry you, that doesn't happen a lot, and it hasn't happened to me, and I had wished it did. I still do, but... I don't do f- free fucking anymore. Good. That's also, empowering. Tinder blocked me. What? <laughs> Why did Tinder block you? <laughs> they blocked me. Why? Because I gave them much too much publicity, and it's supposed to be much more private. Today we have Hattie, a sex dating coach, author, and media personality. She recalls the wild time she had on the Howard Stern show gives us some life lessons on the importance of intimacy and the need to fail, and gets a little bit vulnerable with us as she talks about her biggest inspirations and accomplishments to date, her children. So please give a warm welcome to Hattie. So tell me, where are you from? I originated, so to speak, in Brooklyn, in Williamsburg, Brooklyn, which is now a very swanky, gentrified neighborhood. But when I was there, it was a low-income housing project where all immigrants lived, and my parents were immigrants, and that's where I lived, and that's where I grew up. Okay, so you're this big personality. uh, Now. Now, but it it sounds like even then. I didn't know. But it sounds like you were always confident in who you are. No, No? I was not. Then how did you get your confidence? I wasn't confident, but I was outspoken. In other words, even if I didn't, have the confidence to believe anybody would believe me, and they didn't necessarily, much simpler in everything they did, I just spoke out. So it looked like I had the confidence, but I pushed past lack of confidence to just say and do what I wanted to do. But that has a lot of self-belief inside. That's right. So I had self-belief. Yeah. I'm always infatuated with people who have a lot of self-belief because maybe I just lack it. And so growing up, like, why did you believe so much in yourself? And how has that proven to be very a successful trait for you now? I was able to succeed in regular things. I always was like at the top of the heap, but they weren't esoteric things. It was like I was the best double dutch jumper or I was the fastest runner in a school race. So I was strong, and I never thought of being pretty, because as far as I was concerned, it's only the people in Vogue magazine that are pretty. But if you're from the projects in Brooklyn, forget about looks. It doesn't matter. But athletic and wild. If my parents took me on a train, I'd be climbing on the bars. So it was that pluck is a word I guess I could use. I just went out there and did it. And I knew I'd be criticized, and I was. And I was punished and also hit by my parents for behavior. And it never stopped me because I knew who I was and didn't hold back. It sounds like you listen to your instincts all that's the right. time. I think that's great. So you, let me ask you a couple questions then sure, about family, yeah. uh-huh. how you grew up, and how you married both of those. So as a child, you said uh, <laughs> that you, you you listened a lot to your gut. You were... Can I use the word rebellious? It sounds a little bit. Very rebellious, child. (laughs) Very good. You pushed the limits. Then did you have a family? 
of no, your own? I had. Oh, yeah. I was married for 25 years. Okay. And I have two children, a boy who's about 58 or 59, and a daughter who's 55. And where do they live? My son lives in New York City, Manhattan. And my daughter lives in Mill Valley, California, Northern California, just the greatest place to live. A West Coast and an East Coast child. Yeah, right. right. That must be hard for you to see them then together at the same time. You grew up and uh, somebody who's a little rebellious. uh, Not a little. A lot. Yeah. Got in trouble, but listened to herself. What kind of uh, morals and rules did you instill in your household with your children? Well, it comes to my major rule, life force, impeccable sexual integrity. Tell me a little bit more about that. It's sometimes when I say fidelity, people tease me because it's not that honored people fuck around. And they, <laughs> they would say, fidelity. I said, yes, it's not the insurance company. You got it? <laughs> I have such intensely romantic feelings about genitalia, about the oh, penis and nice. sperm and the, the pussy and the vagina and people entering each other and being naked and being open and being alive in every sense of the word, but with one lover. At a time. I mean, at a time. At a time, oh, yeah. And you at restrict a time. yourself. Honey, I would have had one. I mean, <laughs> I had one with my husband for 25 years. Very active sex life. He was a dancer. Yeah. And I thought everybody, all guys have hard dicks all the time. Oh. So, you know, okay, it's all right with me. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I mean, I... <laughs> I mean, well, you know what? It's, it's You're an attractive lady. It sounds like you and your husband have a lot of sexual chemistry. I think that's great. Did you guys have a great, like, marriage? The sexuality was the glue that really held us together because until I learned differently, and I had to learn differently, sex and love are not the same thing. So when we had frequent sex and I had frequent orgasms, I would think that every time he made love to me, he was telling me how much he loved me and that he was doing it for me. It never occurred to me. And this is how naive this genius can be. I didn't think that that his dick or his sex drive wanted me for himself. I never felt that. It was so satisfying and so filled with love. It equals love. If he kissed me, it meant I love you. And so other times when things went wrong, and they do in a marriage, well, he loves me. I love him. He loves me. We lie naked together. We love each other. However, when I learned that he was cheating, everything really broke down. And that's when serious depression started. Serious depression. I would break down. I would cry. In those days, you could take the phone, and the woman would say, in, in, at the next beep, the time will be one, one. Beep. At the next beep, the time will be one, two. Beep. And I was so disoriented and hopeless that I would listen to this woman say things on the phone just to hear truth. It was so devastating. You know, it, I see you. I've, I've talked with you multiple times. And you are somebody who brings light and joy. And as soon as someone just talks to you, they automatically feel at ease that they can be who they are and want to be. Mm-hmm. And so when I hear you that you went through depression, oh, that shocks me a bit. Mm-hmm. So let me ask you, yeah, 
first, how did that feel like? If you can go back in that time and explain to us, because there's maybe a lot of people that are going through depression, how that felt like for you. And what did you do to get out of it? Or is that even a thing? Well, it's so fascinating that this is happening now. And you're questioning me about this now. Okay. For 80, well, I started, I had my first depression episode when I was 18. I was going for performing arts and all of us were stars. We went on Broadway and we were stars. Oh, you know. And my best friend was Suzanne Plachette, wonderful, terrific actress. And you can still see her on um, TCM. And we felt special. And the fact that I was from Williamsburg, poor neighborhood, I would comb the thrift shops and I would wear the most expensive stylish outfits you can imagine. Years later, some of the gals from my class said to me, Hattie, are you living with a rich man? I said, no, somebody's outfitting you. So I felt that I had to look like the ladies in Vogue. And I dressed me and I bought stuff in thrift shops that was owned by really, you know, very wealthy women who only shop designer Madison Avenue stuff. And that's how I dressed every day. So that gave me a lot of confidence. And we only had, I don't know, in three departments, art, dance, music. I don't know, maybe we had 150 people. So being one in 150 and outstanding, that was great. Then I graduate and my parents don't have money to send me to private school. And I land in Brooklyn College, which probably has 18,000 students, and suddenly I feel like a piss in the ocean. Nobody, nothing. And then I start overeating. And that was my first episode of binge eating. I was never very successful at vomiting. I mean, some people really <laughs> have it. Have it down. To... You eat, you vomit, you eat, you vomit, you wear your regular clothes, but not me. You eat. And you can't vomit. And then you eat and you can't vomit and your clothes get small. And then your um, the depression, the self-love and the self-confidence. I always needed the affirmation of the outside world. Now, people criticize that, but I think I might as well admit it because people could feel very negative towards someone who says, I need my affirmation from the outside. They'll take that to mean that you don't have a wonderful sense of yourself. No, I'm reinforced by the love I get. What, can I love myself like 10 million people on YouTube say they love me? Of course not. It means I'm impacting 10 million people with a feeling of love. And so if they focus it on me, it doesn't matter. So that gives me tremendous confidence. So, okay, so going back to your yeah, story, uh -huh. right? So you went through a couple bouts of depression, it sounds like. So, yeah, at the beginning, so I went to my first therapist in when I was in college. Okay. But okay, so then I assume that inspired you then to be a therapist now. No. No. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so we'll get to that. I guess my my question is after your your no. your marriage ended because of him cheating. No, and, that isn't why it ended. Oh, it didn't. No. No, oh. I stayed with him for 25 years. And I, and I would cry, and he would assure me that he loves me, which he did. And I would stay. It was a family. We had a dancing school together, and I taught hundreds of children. And he taught the adults. Fuck some of them, too. But <laughs> it was our school. It was our home. 
It was our vacations. It was our children. That constituted a life. And when the cheating came in, many of my friends, women, were cheating on their husbands. And they used to say to me, well, you go cheat too. And I said, I, I, that's not me. I can't do that. So that was in the 60s, I guess. They used to have key parties where you'd be in a circle and everybody throws their keys in. And I never went to those parties. I did not want to be anything but a wonderful mother. As a gay person, I'm fascinated by this straight world of promiscuity. I think, let me ask you now, has your opinion on marriage changed? Do you think it should be monogamy? I am in favor of monogamy, except if people have decided on multiple partners. Got it. That's their decision to make. I don't have a judgment of that. Yeah. But my feeling about the act of sexuality and lovemaking and the licking and the biting and all those extraordinary free actions when you're naked, to me, don't just fling those around like they're bargains on a bargain table and catch one and keep it. No, it just has that. So I will admit that my romanticism might be outdated. It might be inappropriate. It might be destructive. I don't care what anybody calls it. I know how I feel when I'm well, fucking... Well, it goes back to the self-confidence of what you want and what you know about yourself. That was I me. I think that's great. On your Twitter, you're a self-proclaimed sex slash dating coach, author, media personality, cougar. <laughs> I love it. So you do sex and dating coaching? Yes, I do. Okay. And I just created a website and people can go on and register for a session. And if they say, if they use this podcast as a source and they put that there in their note to me, they'll get a 50% discount. The sessions are $200 and it'll be $100 for a phone or a Zoom or an in-person. And then any question, anus, pussy, cancer, uh, fidelity, long-distance relationships, anything, age gap, anything that's troubling anyone for any reason, I totally get it, and I deal with it in a very profound, unique way, and it makes a huge difference. Because I don't know anybody who talks or thinks like me. Like, I really yeah. don't. Well, I, 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 yeah. I mean, well, I remember our first call that we had, you said, I like to say all of these words and I'm, and I don't know how many other people that are, look like me also say it. Right. And I was like, I need to meet this person. Thank you, dear. Uh, can I ask you a question? And something I, I like to ask is of reflective. If your younger self could see you today, what would she think? Mom, I was proud of you. Or I was proud of you when I saw you on the Howard Stern show twice. So that you were able to stand up and be topless and your tits were wherever they are and you weren't embarrassed and you shamed Howard. That's good, mom. Go Wait, for it. Explain this. You were on the Howard Stern show? Twice. <laughs> it was a while ago when he was on TV. When he was on TV? Yeah. Okay, so tell me, how did that come about? Generally, things started, except for the word cougar and my modeling that started in 77. The way things usually happen is how you found me. Someone would find me or even see me in the supermarket. And there was a guy who was his producer who saw me in the supermarket. And he said, I want you on Howard's show. And I said, that's cool with me. And then he said, would you take your top off? I said, well, of course, why else would I be on this show? <laughs> so he's used to being vulgar and offensive. And people pay a lot for that. But they're used to it with him. They're not used to, what was I, my late 70s, 
a woman going on the Howard Stern show, taking her top off, holding my breasts and say, come on, girls, stand up, we're on TV. It's just like, what? Where did she come from? And Howard did not expect that. And he said, well, are they real? I said, honey, everything with me is real. And I opened my mouth and then Robin calls out, hey, Howard, you're too old for Hattie. So then he says, well, Robin always has those like, he says, I don't know if I could have sex with an older woman. Let me call out some of the guys in the back there in their 20s. So he calls them out and he says to him, will you fuck Hattie? And all of them say, in a minute. Wow. (laughs) Because he didn't say, do you have a marriage ring? Or I don't know, uh, some of them may have been gay, in which case they would say, well, if she were a man, I would. But that ease. Knowing that I have impeccable integrity and I care so much for people, having suffered with depression, I know in my soul how much pain a person can feel. And so when I generate some joy in someone, it helps me. It does not take away my depression, but my depression is the fuel for my joy. So that's really beautiful, Hattie. Yeah, yeah. Like, I never said it that way. The depression is the soil from which the flowers of joy sprout. I'm touching my heart right now. Yeah, me too. Because I really appreciate that. Thank I see you. your eyes tearing up and I'm sorry that they are. Yeah, it hurts like hell. I can, If I can share something with you too, I'm going through a moment right now in my life where it's a lot of self-doubt, a little bit of depression and hearing you talk about it as much as you have today, seeing yes. the bright personality that you are, knows makes me feel like I'm not alone. And so even sharing these stories One, that's also make me just that. feel like there's still like light at the end of the tunnel. Just seeing you, anybody around you probably understand that whatever they can do or want to do, they can do. There's no limit. They can also fail. But isn't that life? Yes. If you if yes. you decide to be part of life, that's guess right. what's going to happen? Exactly so. You will fail. That's right. Everybody will fail. That's and that's right. okay. And that's the tunnel. That's the tunnel. What is the time that you failed? I failed to hold back from screwing and make it very clear that I wanted the person with whom I made love to say, I want to be with you for, for our life, Hattie. I continued without proper logic, to experience sex fucking as love. Over every time I made love, an orgasm was lifelong love. And how many times do you have to test that theory? I fucking tested it a lot until finally I made up the phrase, uh, fucking flee. And one of the chapters that I'm putting in my new book is date like a man, have sex like a man. And to tell the guy, I love sex and you love sex. We both love sex. Women don't say that. That has to be something they learn. So the man is not viewed as the the domain of sexuality. The man's dick doesn't say what sex is. That the woman, her desire, however it shows up, she is sexual. Yeah. And that's it. The old-fashioned, I want to marry you, that doesn't happen a lot. And it hasn't happened to me. And I had wished it did. I still do, but I don't do free fucking anymore. Good. Also, Tinder blocked me. What? (laughs) Why did Tinder block you? (laughs) 
They blocked me. Why? Because I gave them much too much publicity, and it's supposed to be much more private. So all of a sudden, the newspapers and the media tinned a granny, tinned a granny. And my granddaughter, who was about 12 at the time or something, she said, Grandma, everyone in my class knows you're tinned granny. She didn't know what it was. Oh, you're on Tinder. A, as, oh, my gosh. And, they, and the, the media picks up on that. Did you have a good time on Tinder? A wonderful time on Tinder. <laughs> that was like a steady source of dick. Oh, God. <laughs> really? It was great. It was really great. <laughs> I, I love it, Addy. I love it. I really do. Um, you always make people feel so, like, accepting. When I walked in here, you, you, you're like, you said... You look skinnier in person than in your photos. <laughs> <laughs> I loved it. It was like, great. So, okay. So when I walked in here, you also said you want to get to know me because you're going to tell, you're going to tell me a little bit about my future. Is that right? Well, or how does I that could, work? I could. But what I do is ask you when you were a child, what was your dream? So you want to know as a child, what was my dream? What was your dream? As a child, I... I had a variety of things. I wanted to be like a big businessman for some reason. Money. I also wanted to, I always see like happiness or like smiling or something of that sort. I remember as a child, I'd be super into telenovelas, which is like Spanish soap operas. I'd be addicted to it. In my mind, I would be the woman of the love interest uh -huh. happening. So that's what I wanted to be. Okay. Did your mother and father get along well? Yeah, they did. No, they're still together. They still love each other. Yes. My dad had a little bit of like a temper. My mom would be kind of like the anchor of the family. Yeah, yeah. But they had a loving relationship and they gave us a stable like life. You could see yourself being like your mother then. Yeah. Didn't turn you off even though she was a female gender. Mm -hmm. and my prediction, by the way, in about 10 years, the planet will, well, the civilized planet will be genderless. Okay. Absolutely genderless. It will make a difference. And... RuPaul, I believe, was the positive wind that blew that possibility into the world. He's a wonderful man. You were also on the RuPaul show. Oh, yeah, me. it was wonderful. Oh, wait, so wait, what was yeah. my prediction for life? Oh, for you? Wait a minute. So, oh. <laughs> so wait, so we're getting what you wanted. So you wanted happiness, but you also wanted money. Mm. Now, they are not mutually exclusive. So do you still want money? That's a great question. I, I've been thinking about that. It's not as important to me anymore. I know I need some of it certain? to survive. Yeah. By the way, no one should be embarrassed if they love money. No, I don't love money anymore. I need it. I need a certain okay. amount, but I, I want happiness more. Gotcha. So my daughter, she's happy when her talents, of which she has many, are engaged. So if you can say to me now, what makes you happy? How do you feel happy? You know, when I feel, so I have all sorts of happiness. When I feel really, really happy is when I'm with my boyfriend. Okay. He makes, he gives me extreme happiness because he allows me to be at ease and okay. center myself. Does but, he make money? Um, we're, we're getting there. <laughs> okay. Are you planning a business together? No. Okay. So you're planning to make independent sources yeah. of money. Yeah. Okay. There's another way that makes me happy. The other the other part that makes me happy is when I'm writing a new joke. The the discovery of that joke and what makes it funny and the refining of that joke oh, makes me yeah. ecstatic. Great. So maybe what's coming up for me is that you become a, a comedy teacher as you go on. Oh. And you teach <laughs> comedy. 
but you find an aspect of comedy that you're an expert in, okay? Yeah. Okay, maybe I'll switch my answer to money because I don't think they make a lot of money. Mm, what happened to uh, Everyone Loves Raymond? You never know who's oh, going to pick. True. He was happy on the stage of Comedy Cellar. Yeah. And he was really happy. And they found him. We love and now he's very rich. This segment that I like, is it a segment? I don't know. I'll run some jokes by you based off of what we kind of oh, talked good. about. I want to hear some jokes. And then I want to hear the jokes that you did at the cellar. Okay, good. Is that fair? Oh, we'll see. <laughs> All right, let's do this. Okay, um, I'll go first a little bit. <laughs> I, tr- I tried to make them relevant. So you were talking about how you had a lot of eating. You would eat, you would eat, you would eat, but you couldn't make yourself vomit. Right, I right. was a failed bulimic. Yeah, I failed. Oh, you asked me what I failed at? I failed at bulimia. <laughs> no matter what I stuffed down <laughs> my throat, honey, I could not give it up. My stomach liked cheesecake and it loved ice cream and it said more, more. So I failed at that. Well, I had a joke, not similar yeah, to ahead. that, but where I would say I come back from Mexico. When I go to Mexico, I eat so much. I feel so full and so like big. And I'm like, oh, how do I lose all this weight? And my... My uh, roommate at the time was like, well, why don't you just come bulimic? And I was like, well, I've tried, but it doesn't work. Like I've stuck a finger down my throat. It doesn't work. One finger? I stuck two fingers down my throat. It doesn't doesn't work. work. I stick a whole fist down my throat and it doesn't work. I just come. All that did was prepare you for fisting, but it didn't work with losing (laughs) weight. Your punchline is better than mine. I can't. (laughs) But you add that. Just add it. It didn't make you lose weight, but I'm preparing for fisting. Okay, so my next joke yeah. is my parents as a child, because you mentioned that you you would get hit a lot as a child. Oh, I yeah. would too. I'm Latino. My parents yeah, they, would hit us a lot. They, and like, I remember like, um, whenever my parents were going to hit me, I'd blame everything on my older brother. So if they were hitting me. I'd be like, no, it's Antonio's fault. Please stop. But now as an adult, I give my partner my bell and I'm like, it's not going to hit itself. And then he starts hitting me, you know, okay, in a sexy so way. In- but then it gets too much that I go, that I go to PTSD. And I'm like, stop. It's Antonio's fault. <laughs> okay, it's not great. I and it's, it, <laughs> yeah, I don't care. I told you, brother. Well, you like, you like um, SNL? Some SNL? No, no. I, <laughs> well, that's what comes up. If you say you give somebody a belt, they're going to think SNM. Okay? Yes, okay. And I, that's okay. Go from down. the belt to SNM. Not with your brother. It has nothing to do with your brother. Yeah, this is. I'm getting a comedy lesson right now. Right, right. I love it. Okay, so now with you, tell me, comedy seller. Yeah. What was what was your jokes? Well, I'd say um, I'm going to talk about a topic, and I've done a lot of research on this. So just know it's it's coming not from the heart, but from a different place. Here we go. Well, I put an ad in the paper. Gorgeous blonde dancer seeks sexual partner under 35. I was 55 at the time. So like, who's going to resist that? Nobody was going to resist that. So they start coming in and I I held an audition. So I had had the guys line up. I said, okay, guys, pull it, take your zipper down. So I'm making all the motions. They were lining up and I said, okay, you come forward, you get out. You come forward, you get out. And I went through the audition with them. And so that that was the joke. But then I said, I point to the audience, because this I learned from the class. I said to the woman, you're not very pleased. Check your boyfriend. <laughs> you know, I said, so all the people are who are repulsed by this, I have a supply of paper bags. You can vomit. I totally understand. So it was that kind of thing. I made fun of myself. And 
said something, and and also imagining, you know, out, yeah, forward, wow. you know. So it was a a lot of movement involved. It was very interactive. It, it was interactive, like. yeah. I and I knew that the women were getting annoyed by this, and then I said, "Come on, don't you know that aged wine, aged cheese, forget the cheese." You know, and so I did it for that amount of time, and I got a fair number of of laughs. Nobody was groaning, no. but the thing I loved most of all was being a heckler. Now I don't know how you're you, a heckler. I'm a heckler. Oh, and comedians don't like to be interrupted. They have a gig. There were some like me as a comedian or as a lecturer. I want the audience to interact and interrupt me. It doesn't feel like an interruption. So if you see somebody. Like this, say, were you going to say something funny? I'll let you, but don't let it be funnier than something I was going to say. You know, engage them because everyone in the audience, most people, are frustrated stars. That's what TikTok is. Okay, uh, say this all the time. TikTok is frustrated stars. Absolutely. <laughs> I'm on TV. I'm. I have a video. People see me. I have Twitter followers. Woo woo. You know, and they do like. Things that they think someone is going to like, and some people do, you know. So it makes them a mini star, and it's at their own disposal. All they need is permission, and they're little. They're having their fame. Good for them. I like that. Yeah, why not? I, I <laughs> frustrated star. Um, do you have a joke growing up that always stuck with you? <laughs> it's the stupidest joke, okay. and it stuck with me. It's the stupidest. Okay. I don't know. Did you know Eleanor Roosevelt? You know what she looks like? Yes. Okay. Okay. So my son was in his bed and he's calling out to me, Mom, I'm sewing a son. He says, Mom, you know a lot about sex. Would you tell me a joke? I said, yeah, I'm going to tell you one about Eleanor Roosevelt. Like that means a lot to him, right? So I said, well, there was this man and woman and they were very much in love. And the woman had a heart attack and she went into the hospital and she was about to die. And the husband was very upset. So the wife says, honey, let's fuck one time before you die. And she says, of course. So they fuck. She survives and is very healthy. But the man gets morose and he's sitting with his hand on his forehead, like nodding, no, no. And she says, honey, what kind of reaction is this? I didn't die. I'm alive. He said, that's not it. I could have saved Eleanor Roosevelt. <laughs> well, to me, that was hilarious. And to him, he's like, that's a dirty joke. He's like, to your son. <laughs> that's a dirty joke. Like, <laughs> I always like to ask, um, so what are your plans tomorrow? Oh, tomorrow? Yeah, Oh, this is interesting. I'm getting my new hair, hearing aids checked. I didn't want to have hearing aids because that was such an indication of old person and they used to buzz and blah, 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 blah. So I'm not wearing them now, but I put them on and it's nothing. So my hearing is not so impaired impaired that the hearing aids are too, too sharp. So she'll lower the volume of them. So that's what I'm doing tomorrow. Uh, then after that, I'll probably go to a pool and do exercise in the pool because I have severe arthritis and I can only work out in a pool. That's it, mostly. I, at a moment's notice, can do anything exciting 
otherwise, I don't generate my own excitement other than reading or relating to my cat beauty, who he comes up on the bed and takes my hand and sticks it on his belly. And it's warm and it's soft. And it's, he's just saying to me, I'm going to let you love me. And there's I do. I love it, Hattie. I, and you're, I love you that you're know. open to new adventures and you're going to be, you, you're going to allow life to take you wherever it takes you. So, Hattie, thanks so much for spending this time with me. Is there anything else you want to leave us with? Yes. Okay. I always have something else in terms of what I suffer with, literally. People don't know that I suffered, and it does not help them for me to suffer in front of them. I would do it if it helped. I suffer on my own. But the people who are approaching me now to do documentaries, I've gone beyond cougar. So I mentioned to them, you're going to want to show me with my success and my fashion and my sexuality and my cuteness and all those things. But the underbelly, you haven't seen it and you don't know it and neither do people. So I am going to bring in depression and talk about depression. So if I'm changing aging because of my own fear of aging, I'm going to alter depression because of my own anguish with depression. One other thing, next week, I'm starting something called ketamine. <laughs> ketamine is the latest modality for helping depression and it's blood transfusions. Then after that, I'm looking into amphetamines, which aren't legal yet, but they will be. Well, and I'll be on the forefront of that. Well, we are excited for you to be <laughs> on the forefront of that. And we all thank you for being on the forefront of that. Hattie, it's been a pleasure. Thank, Thank you so you. much. Yeah, terrific. We had a wonderful time. <laughs> My cheeks hurt from laughing so much with Patty. She really does have this ability to connect with people and have people feel at ease. Thank you so much for spending this time with us. And as always, as I'm trying to grow this channel, I'd appreciate it if you shared it with your friends, family, subscribe so you can get all the weekly updates. Give us a review. Anything helps. And of course, I hope the sage is well. Until next time to be with me. I don't care who he fucks. There are those kinds of marriages or relationships, the same bed. You don't do anything sexual. Well, you might, but it's not the same thing. If a person's gay, he's gay. He shouldn't be desiring a woman's tits or pussy or asshole. He shouldn't, it doesn't match. But if he loved to rub my back or put his hands through my hair or have me touch his back or something, and then he would let him fuck, I, I mean, now, this is what Cole Porter had. Did you know that? You know who Cole Porter is? Mm -hmm. Look into that. Okay. Big, big composer, Cole Porter. And he was outwardly gay. I mean, he was, well, not the way gay people are now because there's a lot of, there's a lot of cross-dressing and all that. But no, he was dignified type, very high class, very high society. And he wrote Broadway shows and wonderful songs. You once anything goes. All he lived with a woman. They loved each other. And he had sex. And she knew it. And that was fine. And they stayed together very long. It sounds like it sounds like you're looking for companionship. Companionship with touch. With touch. With touch. I think you deserve that. That would be very nice. Do you think you deserve that too? I would yeah, I would love that. You Skin. have a lot of love to give. And you Skin. can see a lot of love. Skin. Yeah, because I never asked a cat if I could stick my finger up oh, his anus. Okay. <laughs> I mean, it's like, 
that's how I talk, you see. I, I rub his it. tummy and I feel the beauty of connection. So I don't, I don't need to be married again. I'm not going to have children again. I don't need a dick in my pussy either. I like it, but I don't need that. You just need your cat to love you. I said to my granddaughter, you know, when I prayed for a man, I should have specified two legs. 